some dangerous large uh, carnivore out there. Yeah, I saw that bird pick a young deer off the road and fly away. And uh, it was just about getting dark, and we started panicking, running down the bridge, not really having any clue of storing rocks in our vicinity, good-sized rocks. And uh, I stopped long enough to get a 357 out of my backpack and look back, and that's when I thought I saw one. I know that uh, 
uh, Olympic project has a uh, outing coming up here in a couple of weeks, and uh, I'm, I'm assuming you'll be back in time for that. I will indeed. Yes, yes, looking forward to it. Cool beans. So also with us today is our good friend Julie Wrench. Julie, how are you? Hey, I'm doing good, doing good. So, you were saying you were a little bit under week. the weather. Yeah. Yeah. Sure, my voice sounds really great, but nonetheless, here I am. Well, thank you for joining us. Um, we want to have a little, wanted to get together uh, to discuss uh, what went on in in the world of Bigfooting um, this past year. Uh, and uh, I did want to mention that tonight is the uh, premiere uh, for the new season of Finding Bigfoot. Uh, they have a two-hour show coming up tonight. So if you are a fan of the show, um, I'm sure you're excited. I know that, you know, there's people in Bigfooting that, that feel both ways about it. But um, I will be watching. I want to see what uh, uh, Cliff and, and uh, Bobo and Matt and, and Renee are up to. So um, I know that Cliff did a live chat uh, mm-hmm. Couple of days ago, and uh, it was fun. I, I watched it, watched him for a while. So, um, if you are a fan of the show and would like to see it keep continue for, I don't know how many seasons they've done now, but uh, quite a few. So, yeah. well, aren't they supposed to have uh, been in the Appalachian Mountains for the one tonight? You know what? I'm I'm a little I behind on the. So I'm I'm going to trust you on yeah. that one. I know that if I'm I know that it. they're having, they all are bringing like family members. Cliff is bringing his brother. Yeah. Matt's got his son, and Bobo is bringing a a friend of his. So, and uh, I know Renee had a relative. That they were all it was it was a family show. So, um, you know they we, always got to have been a team. Weekend so. in the mountains up there this last summer. Uh, Brian, in I Appalachian. That. Yeah, good times. Well, also with us today on on the Bigfoot Roundup for 2016 is Mr. Stephen Stroyford, of the owner of Bigfoot Books in Willow Creek, California. Let's go ahead and bring unmute right. Stephen. Stephen. So, Stephen, welcome to Monster X Radio. Hello, thank you. <laughs> so, Can you for those of the, those on the, that are listening don't know who you are. Can you give us a little bit about uh, who you are and what you do? Okay, I'm a person who <laughs> lives in Willow Creek. I've been living in the Bigfoot capital of the world, so-called, uh, since 2001, and in Humboldt County since 1993. So I, I found myself living in the middle of the Bigfoot uh, stomping grounds long before I really had a deep interest in it. You know, I, I was I was interested in this thing when I was 10 years old when I read mm-hmm. just about every paranormal and weird thing in the library. Uh, but for me here, you know, it was a matter of getting done with school. I was going to Humboldt State University for grad school, and I graduated, and I found myself in the book business uh, and I was more interested in that than getting a Ph.D. or whatever else in the academic world. So I was stuck with that. And when I started looking around 
I found that Bigfoot was a big part of my local history. And I started looking twice at that statue uh, along the highway and wondering, you know, well, that, that's the thing that I saw in the books when I was a kid, you know. I wonder what, what's that all about. You know, I'd, I'd heard vaguely that the Bluff Creek was somewhere nearby in Humboldt or Del Norte County, but I didn't even know where it was. Um, and as I lived here, moved here for the sunshine and the rivers and so forth, uh, I found that uh, it was right nearby, you know, 29 miles north of my door here is Bluff Creek. And I started going up there and looking around, you know, what, where is this film site? Um, and I looked at the old books and found these sketchy maps. And uh, I started meeting local people like Al Hodgson, who was one of the instrumental characters in bringing Roger Patterson and Bob Gilman down here in the first place, uh, friends with all the early squatcher types, you know, Bob Titmus and Don Green and Renata Hinden and so forth. So um, also they had conferences here, which I couldn't quite avoid, you know, the, the 2003 International Bigfoot Symposium. I, I I went to that with my friend who was on a journalist pass, and I was kind of half um, believing in it and half not believing in it. And after a weekend of that, I walked out of there really um, pretty much convinced that Bigfoot had to be real, you know, um, despite mm-hmm. all my sort of uh, skepticism that I carry with me all the time, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, that's sort of how I got involved. You know, okay. I, by by 2005, I opened up this bookstore, and I just happened to call it Bigfoot Books because everything here is Bigfoot. You know, the the podiatry <laughs> office is called Bigfoot Podiatry. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's in the phone book. But but you know, so I've been doing that since 2005 here in the store. And once I opened the door here, it was just a constant uh, influx of Bigfoot people, researchers, and tourists and enthusiasts and so forth. So it's kind well, of, being, I mean, Big, Bigfoot Butts has kind of been a, become an iconic uh, landmark for Bigfooters to, you know, and, uh, I mean, you're in Willow Creek. Like you say, you're you're close to Bluff Creek. Uh, I had the uh, pleasure to come down there a couple of years ago for Willow Creek days, Bigfoot days, and uh, yeah. had a booth for Sasquatch Coffee and, and uh and you were, I got to meet you, and of course you were giving me a hard time about SOA at the time, <laughs> and uh, I was, <laughs> and, but, but, but you and Jamie took uh, uh, my friend Jess and J.M. Bailey down to the the film site, and uh, we had a good time, had some beers afterwards, and I never cracked and did not reveal the location of SOA, though i been asked many times if I was involved in the uh, disclosure of the SOA site. Um, I uh, can yeah, say. you know, Johnson <laughs> likes to say that somebody uh, ratted him out. Mm-hmm. But we did this investigation on our own, and, you know, we tried to find every source we could, uh, including right. you because you'd been there. But, you know, mm-hmm. you didn't tell us anything. You pointed northward and said over there somewhere. Uh, that's about it. Because, you know, we could see from Bluff Creek, we could see the Siskiyous right there, you know. So we had to kind of kid you about it, right? Um, but, oh, right. Yeah, but, you I, know, I totally Johnson has that. to understand that we found it by investigation. You know, he challenged us to look, and 
he mm-hmm. called us trolls and, and jerks and everything else. And um, meanwhile, he's proposing these things like portals, you know, cloaking and portals and all these magical things. Mm-hmm. How could we resist looking into it? Especially because he kept talking right. about it. You know, so we scoured everything on his published pages, you know, his blog and everything and his videos. We found the mountains, you know, and we followed the clues and we found the place. Uh, uh, Mitchell Wilson found it on Google Earth by matching Johnson's own published photo of that site. You know, so it wasn't anybody ratting him out. You really need to understand that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and that's... Uh, and the thing was he had kind of thrown down the gauntlet to try it. You know, he was he was provoking people that that to come and find the site and was quite proud of uh using some misdirection in his in his post. Yeah, he misled us for about a year with all of yeah. his uh his his comments about uh cave junction and the Oregon caves. But, you know, it was fun, and, and we enjoyed looking around. It was such a beautiful area. I mean, there's nothing wrong for us in not finding it. Um, found a lot of other things, but we didn't see a Sasquatch or any sign of them up there. Um, okay. But, you know, it was great to eventually find it and realize just how uh, different it was in real life from what he claimed, this this magical world that he claimed it was just a clear cut. Okay piece of Bureau land management land and uh, it's a road. It's on a logging road. And, you know, we could we could see and hear the, the, the city and the um, signs of human habitation right nearby, including a road that goes within earshot. You could hear the motorcycles and such riding by on it. Um, so, you know, that was, I think, fruitful for us. Uh, mm-hmm. It's within our research area, too. You know, you can see so odd area from the hills of Bluff Creek. It's far away in Oregon, but as the bird flies, it's not it's not that far. And so we considered it really as part of our area investigation and we wanted to know what it's like up there if anything else, you know. Well, I mean, there's, yeah, my experience up there was not, as I've shared many times, there, we had some interesting things with the food bowls, but uh, as being a, I, I did not experience anything um, that would fit under the paranormal, or, or even I did not see any great evidence of of Sasquatch. We did have some interesting things that where he was putting food out, and uh, but again, um, he and I have discussed uh, the lack of of processing of evidence that you know if you're mm-hmm. going to drop people in out as uh, having vetted your area that that the evidence being collected um, during those times it, there's a obligation to to uh, show what the results of the evidence were to actually process it not just say um, I found fingerprints on a bowl and it was Bigfoot I don't I could not say that we found mm-hmm. fingerprints on food bowls and some interesting things but um I'm yeah, not, he has a I, lot of I, I, evidence I, that he claims, but then he right. says, well, we're not looking for evidence. We don't need proof. We want interaction. And so right there he, he goes and he removes it from all scrutiny or falsifiability or even verification. You know, he's got a three-foot-long turd. He's got, he's got <laughs> right. uh, 
footprints and things that he claims. But, you know, um, when we went there, we didn't see any sign of anything. And, you know, I mean, there were footprints all over the place, but they were his shoes, his giant mm-hmm. foot, and his, his lady friend, and some deer. And that was all we saw. And, you know, he was claiming beforehand um, the days, three days before we went there, he was claiming heavy activity all around the perimeter, like he always does, right outside of camp, including uh, Bigfoot coming into camp and doing uh, back massages or whatever, healing activities, walking in, around. Um, so where were all the Bigfoot prints? And this was mm-hmm. in snow that had fallen before. Mm-hmm. So if there was heavy Bigfoot activity the night or two before, uh, after it had snowed and all that snow was sticking on the ground, there should have been Bigfoot prints everywhere. And we didn't see a single one. And we looked, you know, about an hour and 15 minutes or so up there uh, on the site before we had to go back. You know, we weren't going there for a, a peer review at that point. We were going there for an analysis of the area and to confirm that we had found the site. You know, we did that. But we also looked and we didn't see a sign of anything unusual there. Uh, anything special about it, no food sources, nothing nearby that would indicate that it was a habitat of anything um, like a Bigfoot, you know, like maybe, you know, bears would come through there because it's a, it's an old logging road. A lot of animals will use these old logging roads as easy transit through the, the woods. Uh, it's also on the ridge, which is an easy area to walk for an animal. Mm-hmm. You know, so the place is crawling with um other wildlife, I'm sure, you know, we didn't see much of it, but it was winter when we went there, you know. So there wasn't much going right. on. There were deer tracks, so that's about it. Well, let me ask you this. Is there a water source close by there? Well, sure. Uh, there's a spring coming right out of the ground there in the road. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. Well, it's a seep. It's a persistent mm-hmm. mud puddle. It just happens to be, like, right there where his claim of the portal is mm-hmm. uh, right there. You look down that tunnel of the trees covering the roadbed. You can see that there's this puddle right there. Um, so it's, it's a potential source for optical illusions and such. Right. Um, as far as food source and water source, yeah, there's a Creek down below mm-hmm. and uh, there's, there's houses all along that Creek, by the way. And, you know, the pot growers down the hill are definitely getting water somehow. <laughs> but, I mean, I think they're on the municipal lines right down below. Um, food source-wise, there's yeah. pretty much just a few berries, a few straggler berries hanging off a bush. Uh, you know, uh, but through habituation, you could train all kinds of animals to come around. Um, you know, mice and rats, wood rats and, and ravens, which can carry off food, like, you know, what John's right. and And, you know, owls, He's, he's had many instances where he reported barred owls, and they're obviously barred owls. If anyone's ever seen or heard a barred owl, they can sound really, really wacky. But um, he claims that they're 900-pound owls, you know, his um, joking way of saying that they're Bigfoot imitating an owl. But, you know, the owls will eat those other animals, and the raccoons and the bears, and he's even had bears come into his camp and tear the place up. You know, but he then claims there's no bears. <laughs> so I don't know. Oh, really? Johnson really loves to uh, avoid scrutiny. 
so that he can just say whatever he wants. Um, Bigfoot comes into his bedroom at night in the form of an orb or a shadow <laughs> cloak, you know, and, and hovers around his bed. Um, just the, yeah. Said, not long ago, they come three nights out of the week. You know, I mean, what do they do? Sit around and watch television with him too? I don't know, but right, right. Uh, like well, you know, for me, what it, it comes, yeah, it ends up coming down to extraordinary claims require extraordinary right. evidence, and there, and you, and the wild, you know, the more extravagant the the claim you're going to make, you better be prepared to understand that people are not going to just uh, accept it out of hand because you mm-hmm. said. You know, that I, it's evidence because I say it's evidence is, is no ev- evidence at all. Yeah. Well, evidence yeah. is not tested and, and falsifiable or verifiable right. is anecdote. <laughs> or it's him just saying what he experienced, you know, and that's fine. If you want to form mm-hmm. a religion, you know, you could just just take all the woo-woo Bigfooters and form a religion. That I'd be fine with that. Just... Don't call it science and don't pretend that it's scientific or rational or anything, you know. We're on a subjective spiritual pursuit. Go for it. I don't care. You know, like my right. merchant with his plant people and his forest shamanism and stuff. I'm, I don't mind that. I used to do stuff like that myself, you know, when I was a teenager. But, <laughs> you know, like, um, I mean, that was fun. You know, eating mushrooms and wandering around in the woods or whatever he does. Uh, but, <laughs> like, um, I did that. So what? You know, I learned some things from it. And I think the most important thing about all these subjective experiences that people can have is that, you know, the world's a mysterious place, but you have to bring it back to Earth somehow, right? And um, the the way that we bring things back to Earth and make them make sense to each other is by having them be communicable, verifiable, subject to logic and, and rational analysis. And that's what I advocate. You know, I'm not even opposed mm-hmm. to people having woo-woo lifestyles. Uh, I just think that, you know, if you're going to make big claims, you should you should expect that someone's going to be uh, taking a, a account of that and trying to uh, analyze it to see if it's true. Or laughing at you if it's ridiculous, you know. If it's if it's ridiculous, and there's nothing to establish it as potentially real, then we have no obligation to accept it, you know. And um, um, I actually think beyond that, it's dangerous because people begin to live uh, delusional lifestyles, and they're not living in the real world. And you know, it can be physically dangerous in the sense that they might habituate a bear that eats them. But also right. it could be, you know, psychologically dangerous. Um, you, you know, you, if you're detaching yourself from reality, you're slowly falling into a, a solipsism that um, isolates you from other people and makes it, it, it impossible for other people to communicate sensibly with you. You know, right. such that such that we can share an experience and say, hey, let's let's go to the moon. How do we do that? Okay, we'll design this rocket ship to go out, out of the atmosphere and out of the gravity of the Earth, and, and we'll we'll do some Newtonian physics and find out how it gets there. And we can do that, you know. But, you know, you, you can't make Sasquatch exist by adding up a bunch of blurry pictures and, and mistaken uh, bird sounds and other things. You know, it's just not going to happen that way. 
Uh, we need a rational pursuit. If you're curious about Bigfoot, right, you want to find out if it's real or not, or if you want to verify or validate your own experience of thinking you saw one, then you, you, you're going to have to have a rational means of doing so, right? Uh, that's what I always try to advocate Yeah, uh, in my blog or what we do or on the coalition group. Right. Well, you mentioned well, your blog. Um, what What is your blog website, Stephen, uh, for those who well, are interested? Hopefully it's linked on the show page, but mm-hmm. it's called the it is? blog. I hope so. <laughs> okay. But um, you can find me pretty easily if you want to just by uh, doing a Google search for uh, Bigfoot Books, Willow Creek. And, hey, if you want to buy some books from me, you can you can find the information mm-hmm. there on my blog too. But um, but mainly you'll find my Bigfoot stuff because that's vastly out numbers and links to my big book selling pages. Uh, I, I, I do run a bookstore here. It's mostly just uh, ordinary books, but I do have about 100, 150 Bigfoot titles in stock usually. Uh, and, you know, the other thing is you could look up Bluff Creek Project, which is what we've been doing since mm-hmm. 2009. As a uh, formal study, you know, uh, of the history of the Bluff Creek, Willow Creek area in, in regard to Bigfoot, and uh, our camera project, which is still ongoing right now as we speak, uh, snowed in up there in Bluff Creek where no people go for eight months or so out of the year. Right? Uh, we're watching for Bigfoot right now on the film site, um, right there on the Patterson Gimlin site. Um, well, and I, so, I'd like to get into that. Yeah, I mean, it's, to me, mm-hmm. I... I was fascinated, and and I have appreciation for for people who preserve the history uh, in these iconic sites. Um, Mark Marcel, you know, put an inordinate amount of time in to locating the Eighth Canyon, the site of the Eighth Canyon incident, the Fred Beck incident, and you guys. Yeah, that's a great job that he did on that, and we really appreciate yeah. that. The similarity to what we did with the film site. Um, right. The great work. Actually, uh, maybe, but maybe it's the, not verified yet. Finally, but right. Well, I, I've been there. I saying? can't imagine there's a. Yeah, I can't imagine there's another site there that would would be the the place that that fits the description of the story. But but you basically the Patterson Gimlin film site had been lost, and and the Bluff Creek project started out as as a effort to relocate, is that correct? Yeah, that's right. Um, around the year 2000, I think it was, or 2001, early on, I went up there for the first time with John Green's book and tried to find the field site and got hopelessly lost uh, in the creek mm-hmm. and up on the logging roads looking for it. But um, by 2003, we realized that no one knew, uh, apparently, uh, all the famous people had come here for that symposium and no one could find it. Um, you know, years later, we found out that Bob Gimlin, who was there, had said secretly uh, as an aside to Bobo uh, that he thought he had um, found the spot where they first saw the creature, you know. Um, but nobody seemed to hear Bob say that. And Bobo was only willing to tell us that after a couple of years of us looking into it, he finally admitted that Bob had identified at least the where he thought the right part of the canyon was because 
after so many decades, all those trees had grown and covered everything. But Bob saw this canyon just upstream from the film site, and he, he said, that looks familiar. So, you know, they went back downstream, and there's a persistent crook in the creek where it bends real sharply right after the film site. And that's where Bob said to Bobo that he thought it might be the place. Um, but then we, you know, still we had to do these years of investigation even to find that out, uh, that Bob had said something. Um, we had to rule out, you know, seven or so different other locations identified by people like M.K. Davis and uh, Peter Byrne and so forth. You know, and I talked with everybody, Jim McLaren and John Green, anyone who had been there, including local people like Al Hodgson and Jay Rowland and um, my neighbors and so forth, that nobody, including the U.S. Forest Service, could even tell us accurately where it was. Um, nobody, even Bob uh, or the Finding Bigfoot crew who we uh, were working with in some regard uh, in 2011 could find the big trees and the stumps or anything. Um, but that's what we sought out to do is to find those stumps and those trees. Um, you know, we had to unbury some of this stuff. Like it had been covered by vines and uh, forest debris and you know, the, the the site was so overgrown, you had to pry your way through it. It was so thick in places with uh, old scratchy uh, branches and brush and everything. But once we did that, um, we eventually found that big tree. Uh, it, it took a while. And we when we found the big tree prospect, we found all those other ones that you can see in the background of the film sitting right next to it. So it was it was just like an epiphany. You know, suddenly it emerged out of the woods. Like, my God, there it is, you know. Like, we'd walked right past <laughs> these trees many times. You know, wow. Moneymaker and all these other people had walked right through there and not even realized it was, they were walking on a trackway of Patty. Um, wow. And now we can verify this, like, down to, like, a few inches, you know. We had Bill Munns up there and uh, everybody else that we could find who was involved in this. Um, and, you know, we know what the trackway <laughs> We can say where Patterson was, you know, Bill Munns is able to calculate this down very precisely by using frame-by-frame analysis of the film. Um, so even though a lot has changed in, in almost 50 years, um, it's significantly um, preserved by, you know, the sandbar. Uh, it just didn't wash away. It didn't rot away. It was covered by trees and kept in a little time capsule all that time. Mm-hmm. Well, well that, yeah, it was interesting. I mean, it was interesting to visit the site with you and Jamie, because you got you were the ones that that worked to and and others in the Bluff Creek project to to lo- relocate the site and 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 you didn't just guess. There was there was a process that you guys used to to identify landmarks that were still still there. Um, you know, umpteen years later, and you, it it's amazing. Is it was the same thing at the the uh, going to Ape Canyon. Is like you know, you think you, you see the picture and you see the film of the Patterson Gimlin film, and it it looks nothing like that. You know, forty fifty years later, uh, the the forest is always growing, and that, and then you add in you know the the water element that that. Uh, 
the way the water rivers flow and stuff changes uh, constantly. And uh, uh, I, I was just glad that you guys had taken on that project and, and uh, allowed, you know, and, and uh, honestly, it's not that hard to get there when you know where it is, but uh, what, yeah, it's getting harder what, and harder every year. Uh, right. They closed the roads <laughs> going in there. Hiking up the peak is uh, is harder too as it grows thicker and thicker in there. Uh, it's really coming back to life. You know, there was logging and human impact there for years, and you know, fires burning through the area and everything. But um, uh, you know, ever since the last couple decades, the logging industry has really kind of died off, and it's really too rugged and remote to log through there anyway. Uh, it's too environmentally right. sensitive, and it's too um, culturally sensitive to the native people. Um, so Bluff Creek is like, it was not only a time capsule for the film site, which was somehow not washed away because of the geology and the topography of the area. It just flowed right around it. But, you know, it was, it's being preserved as a, a sort of natural restoration zone where everything is prospering. I mean, all the species that, that are native to that area are just second and and mountain lions we've got bears we've got all these things including the um controversial martin the humble uh-huh. martin which was thought to be extinct at one time um which is a distinct subspecies from the other ones closer by like the sierra martin or the ones up in oregon and along the coast of washington and so forth this is a known distinct subspecies, and we've got them on camera many times. <laughs> you know, that just um, the rediscovery of the, the Humboldt Martin was made uh, right. nearby in Bluff Creek in '96 or so. Uh, someone got a photograph of them, and so they were known to be alive and recognized already as um, the Humboldt Martin. And since then, uh, we're our project is. Um, the, the most significant uh, trail camera uh, wildlife survey being done in that area, um, aside from the ones that are on the coast in the Redwood Zone. So the, the the Forest Service and other biologist people are working on those coastal ones. But the, the, the populations are fairly distinct even among those. So what we have is a really lo- a local subgroup that's living in Bluff Creek. It's really cool. Um, and we, you know, we have the people like the Center for the uh, Biological Diversity and other environmentalists and the wildlife groups recognize that this is significant. Uh, the Forest Service likes what we're doing, which is cool because, you know, they generally don't like Bigfooters going up there and causing havoc and disasters, you know, driving mm-hmm. off cliffs and uh, burning up recreational vehicles on these uh, deteriorating forest roads. Um, so they're, they're, they're kind of happy to see us doing that. It's, it does some of the work for them. You know, like we were able to show them where the film site given was, so now they know what they have in their uh, jurisdiction. Um, yeah. What did they think of that? I mean, that, that, are they open to the possibility that, that uh, Patterson and Gimlin filmed a Bigfoot in their jurisdiction? Well... You know, they're happy to know that it's a, it's at least a cultural site um, 
famous for whatever it is, either a, a hoax or a cultural icon or a, a real animal, potentially. Uh, but, you know, they were skeptical. It's kind of their job to be that way. Mm-hmm. Um, there was no sign of, like, government cover-up. You know, they were genuinely curious. Uh, we had They had several varieties of Forest Service worker there, you know, including their wildlife biologist and um, Native American guy coming along. Um, you know, he's obviously going to be somewhat inclined to, least respect the idea of Bigfoot because it's so central and they're um, persistent and, um, you know, uh, important, really, in their culture. So, uh, you know, obviously not all of them believe in Bigfoot, um, but they didn't laugh at us either. You know, who are you idiots looking for this this myth? You know, they they seem genuinely curious, like, could it be possible? Uh, but, you know, they're happy in any in any case that we found something real, right? we were able to show them precise landmarks that have matched what they had with all of their uh, printouts of um, aerial photography and stuff. Um, so it's a piece of real knowledge regardless of what, uh, what it means. Um, you know, we, we would like to see that Bigfoot is proven real, but obviously that's, that can't be our only goal or our, our biasing goal. It's just, it's a, it's an hypothesis that we test with these trail cameras now. Uh, we're trying to find, um, you know, what really is there. And so far after five full years of doing this, that we haven't had a single Bigfoot walk anywhere near mm-hmm. any of our cameras, up to 20 of them, uh, all triangulated in some places around the, the best uh, transit uh, routes and water and food sources that any sensible animal trying to conserve its energy would take, you know. Um, yeah. We've, you know, got a lot of blob squatches, but, you know, we could go out and put these on the Internet like a lot of people do. Right. Uh, and, you know, just not show what we also have, which is the before and after photos of the bear, you know, or the deer or whatever. <laughs> right. Right. Well, that's one you of know, the things that I appreciate about the approach is that, um, you're interested in the subject, but there, but it it uh, is an approach of evidence uh, weighted by evidence. I mean, that's you. You're in the, the way to prove the existence or or lack of existence is is in evidence. I mean, you're trying to. The I've always said that that it's the the honest of of the uh, proof is on. Bigfooters, and we do ourselves a disservice by um, relying strictly on anecdotal evidence as proof of a uh, unknown species. That that's going yeah. to convince science that that uh, you know, say so I saw Bigfoot is not you know. We have a lot of stories like that. Uh, you know, we have lots of 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 footprint evidence. We have lots of uh, we have. A, very few uh, uh, pictures, fuzzy pictures, and and probably the best photographic evidence that the at least that is publicly known is is the Patterson Gimlin film. And 50 years later this year, it you know it has not it did not prove the existence of of Bigfoot to the general public, and it's still being debated no, whether or not it's if yeah. if, if it's, it's a 
a real creature or not. It's uh, just ambiguous and anomalous enough to be like perpetually intriguing, and it's mm-hmm. more than any other thing drawn in a, a very large number of people to be curious about Bigfoot. Uh, which, you know, if anything, is an achievement of Patterson and Gimlin, even if they did hoax it, because despite this film, there's a tradition of citing reports and anecdotal uh, uh, mm-hmm. claims and uh, cultural history. That is at least enough for us to say this is worthy of study, uh, of, of open-minded inquiry, you know. But obviously you have to be skeptical Especially, you know, try to get maybe to the topic of the show that you were proposing, like the year in Bigfoot in 2016. What the heck was that? You know, just a whole <laughs> lot of nothing. I mean, right. like, you know, I'm sitting here like, what's the best thing that we have? And it's probably like Peter Kane's. Uh, you hear that? doesn't look like it was in the freezer. Oh, really? You know, that's what we have. <laughs> we have, uh, like, jokers, hoaxers, media exploitation, uh, you know, a lot of people who've just gone off the deep end in their spiritual pursuits or whatever you call it. A lot of people are just really deluded, I think, uh, with their their claims, you know, that they're they're mm-hmm. going to draw a thousand yellow circles on any patch of forest <laughs> anywhere. Yeah, you know, I like, don't get that. Like if you look at the top of Coalition Group right now, you'll see this picture that we mm-hmm. got. I think someone sent to us. Welcome. Oh, this came from YouTube actually. Welcome to my world, and everything is circled in yellow or whatever. Like, right. I, I don't know. Really, you could you can find shadows and and shapes and whatever that look like possible fuzzy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In, in almost any picture. A, if there were a hundred well, Bigfoot or two hundred Bigfoot in this one picture, you think yeah, one right. of them would have and some of them are right. like three inches tall. I mean you think <laughs> one of them would have been capturing a goldfish bowl or a jar like a firefly. And the, mm-hmm. these people are saying like they're going so far as to saying like, you know, the Bigfoot is an elemental being, like one of the fairy folk. Uh wow. that they that nature is made of these things. So if you see a, a shape in a trunk of a tree, well, that's the Bigfoot spirit in there. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. It's going it really too far. Yeah. And that, those kind of, I mean, that that's, like you say, that's fine for people to to follow that path and that's how they, it, it, but it isn't the general Bigfooting uh People that have a scientific approach to it and feel that, and and perhaps have the interest, and not everybody that's in quote unquote big footing is trying to prove their existence. Some people are just going out, you know, to have a spiritual experience. Some people are going out to see if they can hear Bigfoot or or have a sighting, and they, you know, it's about their own personal uh, Bigfoot journey, but. Some of us are interested in uh, more lean towards trying to collect evidence uh, of a conclusive nature that can be, they say, verifiable, repeatable to uh, in in the to the general public. That 
to bring it. Yeah. And part of that is for conservation, the idea that, though I argue people, you know, oh, we need to kill a Bigfoot to prove they exist, to protect their habitat. I like, we got, you know, there's, uh, we have sufficient animals, species that are known right now that live in those environments that we, that require, you know, that environment to survive, that we should be already preserving the the uh, environment for, but but we don't. We need another. Um, yeah. it, well, and we I don't know that, where Bigfoot even lives. Like, it's right. supposed to live so many places that it. How could it even be considered why. endangered? It's living outside of golf courses and Seven Elevens. You know, it, <laughs> it's behind uh, you know Home Depot, where right. Right. some people's bedrooms. Yeah, yeah, it's in yeah some people's and. Yeah, and we might even be harming them uh, by by uh, trying to practice environmental pursuits. Who knows? Since there's no data, you know, I mean, right. we need data. Um, and, you know, like a lot of people assume, well, he doesn't believe in Bigfoot. Or they, 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 they say that like it's uh, some kind of a criticism. But I don't believe in believing in anything. I don't believe in belief, defiable belief, you know. If it's if it's based upon evidence and reasonable things, then I will believe it when I can see that there's indication it's real. You know, so um, even though my belief or whatever personal feelings about Bigfoot have greatly declined since the 2003, you know, um, I still hold out the agnostic position that it might be real, and you know we then uh, go out and test the hypothesis. Is Bigfoot real? Well, let's find out. Let's look. We live here. We like going there, so let's put up some trail cameras. And, well, you could criticize trail cameras. Okay, well, look around, too. You know, and we've done, we've done all this stuff. So. And, you know, we have a rational approach. Like, if we ever do get evidence, we're going to be very excited, and we're going to try to present it to the world in a way that um, will be objective, you know, and not make any extraordinary claims. Uh, and if it's real, uh, we can give verification of that. We'll get more scientists come in and uh, um, look into it. But, you know, scientists in the world out there, the wildlife management, the Forest Service, anybody, they're not going to um, buy into these uh, thousand yellow circle pictures. And they're not going to help out um, protecting Bigfoot or proving Bigfoot's real by um, claims like they turn invisible, live in another dimension, that they're actually plant people, that they come from spaceships, or any right. of that, cloaking, portals, um, guardians, three-foot-tall guardians and little pixies running around, like, don't walk, so you might step on one. You know, it, it, <laughs> it's, this isn't helping. And, no, you know, no. like, it, it really if you want off the deep end. Yeah. Well, that's I mean, the thing is what you. Really amusing too, though, for me and for our group. Yeah, and <laughs> you, what, what, what you make a, a very strong point is, and I am the, the same feeling is that belief has nothing to do with it. Bigfoot either exists or Bigfoot doesn't exist, to, and it isn't a matter of believing in Bigfoot. I, you know, you don't Indeed, believe in like, leprechauns or believe in. I mean, it's not. That's it's not about belief. It's it's a simple. Deer don't exist and it because doesn't I matter believe if them. you believe or not. Deer. It shouldn't right. matter. We shouldn't have these big fights about it. Like, I could go hang out with <laughs> Derek Randall, who says he's seen one, or Bobo, 
mm-hmm. or Cliff, you know, or we Shane. all have varying degrees. Shane, we all have varying degrees of belief or non-belief, but what unifies us is curiosity and rational mm-hmm. thought. You know, so I can sit there with Bobo. I know he's seen Bigfoot many times, and he's he's a hardcore believer. You know, he's he's threatened to kill me, uh, jokingly. You know, a uh, number of times <laughs> for for being too skeptical. <laughs> but I mean, we remain friends, and it's cool. And you know, the, the, the sad thing is when you get uh, like on Facebook, especially now, these people that are just in your face, uh, trolling you or, or um, attacking, well, you? Uh, threatening violence, death threats, <laughs> you right? Know, you actually and had libel and, you had an experience where that didn't wasn't moved from Facebook. Wasn't your bookstore shot up at one point? Yeah, um, it was. Like, yeah. uh, so, I drive mean, by. You know, you could look. Yeah. You could look through the bullet yeah. or the, the big hole in the window, and it lined up perfectly with the level of a uh, truck, like a mm-hmm. SUV or pickup, um, driving by and someone holding a gun out the window and firing. And it was right. a hollow point, uh, large caliber slug. That's nice. I, I was able to Jeez. pick it up. Off. It bounced off, you know, the uh, books and filing cabinet there and I found it on the ground with all the glass shattered um, but I don't know if it was done by Bigfooters uh, a lot no, of people kind of ran with that I just said wow someone shot my building next thing you know but, but it did combine with like a lot of these people who have threatened to do that I'm going to come to Little Creek with baseball bats and beat you up in the field Ed Waterman said he's going to do that <laughs> yeah. I had another dude from a dude from Washington, uh, I won't say the name, but uh, he threatened to bring his, to get his friends who live in the Hoopa Reservation to come here and beat me up because I I commented on one of his uh, oh, wow. posts on Facebook. He had published like a hundred photos of him walking around and each one of them had like circles of a blob squash that he was supposedly following. I said, how could you have like this many photos and not a single one that shows a, a clear animal, you know? Right. And he got so mad that he wanted to kill me. And he said, I come down there all the time. I'm going to come to your store. And this happens to me regularly, regularly. Yeah. And it's creepy because I don't know how many of these people are, are really seriously mentally ill or psychotic, deranged, sociopathic, mm-hmm. whatever they are. They might think I really am literally the devil as some new AG Bigfooters have said, you know, mm-hmm. he's like the mm-hmm. devil or the, the coalition is evil, <laughs> you know, uh, or like right. Martin, the coalition of evil doing and delusion. I mean, I was like, get out of here. Like, you know, well, we're, we're just here. skeptics doing our own thing. We're critical thinkers right. looking into the thing. And we generally know more about Bigfoot and been involved in it more lengthily than these people have. You know, where did well, Michael Merchant come from? Where did Kelly Shaw come from? You know, who are these people? I've been doing this living in this area since like 1999, um, which is well, the longest time anyone has. But <laughs> if, you know, if you per, if you're going to present Bigfoot evidence, one if I if I found something, I want it to be critically looked at. I don't. I mean, mm-hmm. exactly. The, the people that make the big like make the biggest noise about when you call them, ask is because you question them critically about what they're presenting as as factual evidence. 
and that's that's part of the process is of approving uh, unknown species is i mean we have a huge burden of of proof you know and running and having pictures that we're circle putting you know a, a hundred uh, circles in and saying they're they're these are all bigfoot is in this picture there's a hundred bigfoots in this picture that i mean that stuff gets should get thrown out it would be yeah. thrown out as evidence in in any critical scientific oh, yeah. Kind of study yeah can I you mean, imagine it, someone um what a marine biologist bringing a bunch of blurry pictures of uh with so-called <laughs> newfound specimens of these fish and but my god right. you can't see it but it's there you just got to believe me i mean why is it just the Bigfoot world that they it find this acceptable? It, it, yeah, it it isn't. I mean, that's I've I've talked to friends that that are in other. Well, the alien thing too. Feel, yeah. but I mean, aliens this weird and ghosts and, yeah. stuff. Right. It's it's people that don't. I mean, that, that's to me that's a big red flag if you don't want your evidence. Uh, Looked at critically by other people, yeah. or, or that, you that's say, like, right. or if you say that you're not out to prove Bigfoot, I don't mm-hmm. want Bigfoot to be proven. You know, uh, if it's proven, they'll come and slaughter them all. I want to keep them private in my backyard. You know, like right. really, like um, even then, you know, if it's living in your backyard, I'm sure you could get better evidence. Um, than a blurry picture of a tree stump. Like Matthew Johnson was going to so so often that he knew every stump and snag and dark shadow up there. It's only a small area up on that ridge where he goes and camps and researches. And he should have known better than to post pictures he took over his shoulder uh, (laughs) of a a stump, a snag, you know? Because, like... um, He's even an advocate of, of going back and taking second pictures. Well, you know, when we went there, we found those very same stumps and snags that he took pictures of and claimed were Bigfoot. Wow. Um, so, like, you know, if you don't believe in evidence, don't put your pictures up. You know, don't make any claims. Or just say, this is my personal experience of Bigfoot, and I live with Bigfoot in my own um, mind, or, <laughs> you know, whatever it is. Like it's okay, it's all right. But once you put it out there and claim it's evidence, like some of these people, like Barb Shoop and uh, Samantha Ritchie, do. Well, I don't know. You you show me a picture of a demon entity from outer space, I'm gonna kind of chuckle to myself for one. But like also, I'm gonna say, how can you prove that? Like, you know, trying to tell me that these things are real. So it's part of the public Bigfoot culture. And therefore, it comes through my newsfeed along with everything else. What's that? Julie? Well, the public, the social media Bigfoot world is slam dunk full of these people who, um, it's it's almost like they want their own little cults and stuff. It's really bizarro. Um, It's like they, they want people to worship them because they're the Bigfoot god or something. I just... I don't have time for that, and I, I'm seriously shocked that people do fall for that stuff. It's it's mind-boggling. Well, it's growing. Well, yeah, you know, it's too. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's growing. And, and what and, I, and I, I think, think people will media. definitely not be proven on Facebook. 
I mean, that's yeah. like, social, we're social not going to get a Bigfoot body on, on Facebook. But what it does is it, it, it almost has the opposite effect. It tends to disprove Bigfoot. But the more this stuff happens, the more laughable it becomes, the more of a joke it is to the outside world, especially. Uh, but like even to meet people like me, I was basically like what I used to say, a 95% believer. In 2003, I was just high on the high on the hog, whatever you say. You know, uh, Bigfoot felt real. Like I'd go out in the woods around my house, and I was always feeling like Bigfoot could be there. Um, but after a decade or so or more of experiences with the so-called researcher community, um, I'm more and more and more called upon to be critical, skeptical say no way that is not real mm-hmm. you know like and and it's driven me to the point where i can hardly believe anybody or anything you know mm-hmm. i have a very small list of people that i consider rational researchers and you know that'd be like the olympic project you guys you know people out in ohio who are trying to have the real not just boots on the ground but a, a brain in your skull you know <laughs> so that you can actually learn and experience mm-hmm. the outdoors and, and learn from it rather than um, have freaky, bizarre, paranormal uh, experiences. Right. Well, I think that this service that um, all of this going out in the woods and, and taking 20 steps in and taking your camera and snapping pictures, you know, as you turn in circles, going home, looking at them and finding Bigfoot, it's a complete disservice to um, – what you're claiming you're wanting to do. You want to, you know, claim that you're trying to prove that Bigfoot's real. Well, you know, what we do is uh, if there's an area we go into and we know there's been activity, you know, like the one we did this summer, if you have a 250-foot long barbed wire fence, then you go and you look at every single barbed wire on that fence all the way down, all 250 feet. That's what we did, and we found that one clump of hair, we sent it in, and lo and behold, it was um, Bobcat. And we, since 1850, we have not been able to prove Bobcat in this county in Ohio. Yeah, isn't so, that cool? Like, you yeah, know, why like, you're investigating why people, you go you out there and waste your time if you're just random taking pictures and, you know, oh, I go home and I'm going to see Bigfoot in this picture. You're wasting your time. Why not do something more of a scientific basis where you can – Maybe um, find a species that, you know, is coming back into your area that's been extinct or partially extinct. Important things. You know, why why waste your time? Is it just because they want the attention on Facebook? I don't get it. Or the clicks and the money or the TV well, show. And the, and the thing is, is that the um, real Bigfoot research is is kind of boring. I mean, it's, it, it, is. it isn't, yeah, I mean, it's not that exciting that you go, you know, you don't go out and have something happen every time that you're in the woods. Um, and, and just like, you know, I, I bet Julie, when you found that clump of hair, you're hopeful, you know, and it's like, wow, this is in an area that, that has, has reports of some activity and, and like, here's some hair and, but, and there were your approach was the proper approach as opposed to some people who would have taken that comb of hair and posted it on Facebook and said, I had a Bigfoot story. Look, I found Bigfoot hair. 
but that's that's right, shortcutting right. processes, and it's lazy. I mean, it it, it isn't. Yeah. It, it's not really. And and those people that are doing that are not in. Um, they're not looking to uh, use a scientific process to to prove an unknown species or an unproven species. Right. They're you know it's like you say it's going going on Facebook. You know, um, I I would never pro- post anything on Facebook that was serious evidence. I mean that. That is not, I think, oh, yeah, the pro- exactly. I don't think that's the, <laughs> the, pro- like the proper place in the process no, to, no, no, no. you know, to proving something scientifically is posting pictures <laughs> or evidence on Facebook. Um, that's and yeah. and then, you know, but but that's what happens every day. And those uh, videos that they take of themselves out there roaming around. Blabbering about all this. I mean, it, who does that? You know, who has time? I think there's a lot of people who, who too many people don't have a lot of other things going on in their lives. They will seek right. this special feeling and this special community, and they get this big, you know, kumbaya thing going on, and it generates a lot of the tendency towards confirmation bias. Especially when you're getting social approval for it, and yeah, you're membership in a, in a special group, like so many of these people who threaten to kill me or whatever the hell, you know, call us evil because <laughs> we're critical thinkers. Right? They're people who just came out of nowhere like a year ago, and they're already like so fanatical that expert. they want to kill people. But think about right. the old days. You know, people that I respect who've been in it for a long time or are now gone, like. You know, Rene DeHinden. John Green. He right. never saw one. John Green never saw one. Peter Byrne never right. saw one. These guys really did look hard and sincerely, seriously, and they tried everything, you know. Um, all these special claims that people make today about habituation, it's all been done before. The only thing that's changed is, is the, the medium, which conveys, like, uh, instant gratification on Facebook. And... Uh, instant community, whereas back in the old days, there might be four or five Bigfoot sightings in a year, you know, and um, John Green or Renee Hinden would get on a plane from Canada and drive or fly or whatever they did um, to go look just at footprints. When in 1967, they found these tracks up on Onion Mountain above Bluff Creek. John Green got in a car and drove all the way down here from BC, Canada. British, yeah. <laughs> you know, and then right. he got on, got in his car, went back home. The next day, Bud Ryerson calls him on the satellite phone and says, "We, we got what you're looking for here." You know, and John Green says, the "Hell with it. Get some, get some money from some funders and gets on an airplane, flies all the way back down here to look at more footprints." You know. All right. Uh, this was like. This was a big case of the year, uh, or one of the biggest cases of all time, you know. Um, but nowadays, it's like I find millions of tracks everywhere, you know. Right. Like, according to these people, every, every day on Facebook, if you actually just look around in a few groups or on your newsfeed, you're going to see multiple sightings. Uh, you know, Bigfoot talking in the brain, Bigfoot in my bedroom, and um, everything. You know, it's natural inquiry so, I mean, stuff. I mean, 
Right. I mean, that's what yeah. it is. Yeah, it's a, yeah. I mean, it's stuff that, you know, Bigfoot had my baby. I mean, that's... Uh, <laughs> it, yeah, and that's it's exactly where we have come after all this time. We now live in a world that's post-truth, you know, post-fact. Everything is, you know, whatever, it's on the Internet, you know, it's on TV, it's ancient aliens all the way down. Um, whatever happened to rational people like John Green sitting around saying, well, right. you can't solve a mystery by proposing another mystery. Um, you know, people actually trying, amateurs perhaps, some of them, um, to practice scientific pursuits or at least to be rational in the way they thought about it and acquired reports and took down as much information as they could and dug into the history of it and pulled out these old accounts like Osman and Beck and um, the native people uh, and their culture. And you had serious academic conferences like the one in D.C. to Canada in 1978 where a whole bunch of academics came out and actually um, those largely skeptical, they actually considered the possibility of these things. Um, now it's like, you know, it's uh, Tim Peeler saying, get out of here, get, you know, ch- chasing them off the stick from my, my moonshine spill. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like whatever funny, funny thing you that can find. That was a good one. Like Rick Dyer knows this. He's a smart enough guy to know how to exploit this. Peter Kane, he's a total joker. Uh, posts a bunch of funny Bigfoot videos, like Bigfoot is outside in my yard playing with himself, or uh-huh. whatever it is. And there are actually people believing this stuff. Yeah, I know. Um, I've seen that. That, oh, that's fun. that one with the foot recently that he did. I've seen people discussing it, and I'm just like... Face palms, yeah. Please. please look at his other videos that he's done. <laughs> right. Well, that was, yeah. Well, I, I mean, so talking about 2016, and unfortunately we did lose John Green this year. You know, that, that is a big uh, passing of someone who, who contributed a lot of serious research into the subject. And uh, um, that... Um, is so, and I know Shane talks about this all the time. Is that um, there's an obligation for some people, some of us in Bigfooting, to you know part of what drives us to to do take this seriously and present things and be critical of the evidence is is um, to honor those that, that, that kind of went before us. John Green is one. Dr. Bendernagel is another person who comes to my, you know, uh, Renee Hidden is, is another that that spent a large portion of their of their lives um, looking into this mystery, and and I think it does a huge disservice to those people to make it a joke, you know, to do think to to not be critical of the evidence, to present things as fact be, without critically. Pro, going, putting them through a a ringer of of uh, a scientific process. I mean, we if if you're if you say I'm a Bigfoot researcher and my end goal is to prove this uh, myth is is actually a real living breathing creature, um, your uh, responsibility is to actually uh, the way to is to learn how to go about that that we're where it actually proves, actually at the end result, proves that they exist, not 
or proof that they don't exist because you you actually eliminated you know all other possibilities and we have some people that actually do take that approach and we have some hyper uh skeptics um that that I think actually are are uh, uh important to Bigfoot research and I don't I I think uh, what I hear you saying Stephen is that really you you are still open to the possibility of, of Bigfoot existing. Even yeah, I mean, I don't claim know. that it does exist. Right. But I don't, also, well, I don't claim that it doesn't exist. Like, if you catch me in a grumpy mood these days, I'm going to, I'm going to say something like, it's very unlikely that it does. But you see what I'm doing? I'm not ruling it out. Uh, I think there's a lot of evidence in the form of anecdotes, mostly, um, that there's something going on. Um, so I'm willing to look into it. Maybe it's a bizarre phenomenon of the human mind, and this is some archetype of the psychology that we have, you know, that, that's appearing. Since it seems to be an archetype that goes back in culture, in many cultures, to the earliest times, you know, uh, w- you know whether you consider the Gilgamesh story to be about Bigfoot or not, um, the Woodwows and all these uh, Native American wow. variants. Uh, but, you know, they're not all the same thing. And we don't know what, what motivates people to see shapes and forms and to interpret them the way they do. Because uh, human psychology is very complicated. You know, like uh, uh, we have a hard time remembering what happened if we were witness to a car accident, you know, as a classic example. If you witness something... Um, on the street, you know, the people will say five different versions of what happened. And over time, their memories change. And they're subject to influences, you know, so information might change or get added. Um, but, you know, there seems to be a natural inclination that's hardwired into us to see faces uh, like our own. Or maybe it's connected to, uh, you know, being able to discern if a predator was going to attack us in the brush back in Africa, you know. And the people who were able to see those faces survived better because they were more on guard. Uh, But in terms of rational perception of reality, we need to take a step back from these hardwired psychological things and consider, uh, well, maybe, you know, I have to think twice about that. So that's why we have science and logic and reason and these things things that we've developed, fields of study, which can critique uh, what's happening, you know. And um, that's what we promote uh, in our group. We're being skeptical and critical thinkers, just like John Green was. But, um, but nowadays, it's, there's a whole mystical thing that's evolved. Um, people who believe things without reference to evidence at all you know, um, on all sides, you know, like in the political election we just had, all sides of it had this propaganda going on, right? I mean, it's, right. it's so hard to tell what's even real, you know? <laughs> um, but uh, that is that uh, that is all across the board uh, a problem. And, um, you know, I, I, I don't quite remember what your question or where we were, but... Um, <laughs> I'm rambling on now, like uh, I tend to do. But no, it's a, just give me back to the I always topic tell people, here. 
you know, I always tell people when when they come on the show and they go on a tangent, like people don't tell Monster X to listen. They don't listen to Monster X to listen to me and Shane or Julie talk. They call they they listen call in to listen to our guests. So um, well, and I you're think you're uh, asking me if I was open to Bigfoot existing. <laughs> right, right. No, I mean, there's and still... Sure enough, I mean, sure I am. You know, like, yeah. I had something come, in my, come down in my backyard. I live on the edge right. of, you told of me the forest story. in Willow Creek. And this is something that a lot of the people who want to get digs in on on me uh, are saying all the time, like, he lied to get on Finding Bigfoot. No, I didn't. Right. You know, this is on my blog. It happened in 2008. It's on my blog since 2009. I've said this a million times, you know. Uh, the, whatever it was, the ground vibrated when it came down the hill. I could feel the vibration on the ground through my feet, which were on the uh, ground in my my porch, which has a concrete foundation. And it came down the hill and crashed down into the brush. And I was just like, what the heck is that? And I went out in the yard, and um, I could hear it walking uh, in the brush, and it stopped and stopped stayed there for uh, like 10, 15 minutes. And I was just standing there wondering what to do, you know. And it was so dark and thick, I couldn't go in there after it. I, I, I grabbed the flashlight, but it was dying, you know, um, as I came out the house. Um, so I don't ever claim that that was a Bigfoot. I say specifically, I don't know what it was, right? Um, mm-hmm. Even though the next day I had my friend over who was going to house it for me, feed the cats anyway, uh, um, she saw the tracks in the ground. They were uh, not in the soil, but they were in depressions in the plant undergrowth. And they were large. They were bigger than my foot and oval-shaped, you know. So I don't know what made those tracks. What could it have been? You know, but I'm not going to tell you that's a Bigfoot encounter because I didn't see it, you know. And um, this is what I told Finding Bigfoot, too, the exact same words. But, you know, they edit things out, right? But so the right. part where you say, I didn't see it, I don't know what it was, you have to be skeptical yeah. and critical about your own personal experiences. They just cut yeah. that out and they put a picture of <laughs> Matt Moneymaker with his eyes popping out of his head. Like, watch, <laughs> you know. And then CGI, a Bigfoot coming down the hill. But, like, you know, right. in my own personal experiences, I've had multiple experiences like this that were weird, but I don't claim that they were Bigfoot. Even the one that I saw, you know, um, something tall, taller than the brush, in a real thick brush down uh, near, closer to the redwoods. Uh, we all heard it moving. It sounded bipedal. The dogs freaked out and ran after it like I've never seen them do before. These are dogs that lived in the mountains and, you know, were used to bears and elk and everything else. And they chased down after this thing, and all I caught was a glimpse, a split second of something brown you know, moving above some of the brush. And then it just kept walking. And, you know, I can't even claim that's a Bigfoot encounter because I just don't know. Well, it wasn't been clear enough, enough right? Right. She, I, yeah, you're you're kind of hard hardwired to, I mean, you've got to have a clear visual encounter to to be moved, to have the needle move, move to a 100%. Yes. You're uh, not, I mean... I, you know, I hold my hearing a weird noise. Standards, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're not. Weird noises, you're not. They happen yeah. in my yard every night, pretty much. There's right. some animal out there, whether it's a bird, owl, or raven, or raccoon, or bear, or deer. 
or anything. I mean, I've seen them all kind of cruising around, and they all make weird noises, and sometimes I don't know what they are. You know, like, one night I was hearing these bobo-like howls coming from down the, the, the road. Like, what in the world is that? And I listened to it at first, but then eventually, you know, I was able to discern that it was a dog, a dog that somebody had brought up the hill and lives there now. Uh, but it howls just like the bobo, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, and the pot growers up on the other side of the canyon, they had a party one night and they were up there. They started doing bobo howl- howls off the edge of the creek canyon. And, you know, that kind of spoils the swatching in my backyard uh, concept now because if I hear a wood knock or if I hear a howl or, or if I hear somebody back there or something back there, it could be these pot growers, you know, um, who've, who've conquered and taken over my whole town. Well, it sounds right. like you need to put a trail camera uh, right, outside your, right outside your bookstore. That might be a start. Uh, change the yeah. project's direction. <laughs> Can I find out who's stealing my... I might see some weird Bigfoot stalkers out there. Yeah, <laughs> But Stephen, what's what's um, what do you find interesting or compelling? Maybe not compelling is the wrong word, but maybe interesting as far as anecdotal evidence that's out there now. I mean, is there anything that you know uh, that you find least interesting or willing to entertain that um, there's maybe more to it? Oh, less and less and less. So, mm-hmm. right. Um, I mean, especially like you know, since Finding Bigfoot has been on the air, it's promoted the idea of Bigfoot just about everywhere. And um, I get a lot of people telling me stories in the local community. Um, you know, they all kind of want to have a Bigfoot encounter. It's kind of cool to talk about when you're on the bar drinking a beer. Um, but, you know, when you dig down into the stories, there's quite often um, signs of exaggeration or assumptions that that are a little bit too obvious. Um, you know, like the guy, one guy kept telling me he had a, a knowledge of this um, spots where the Bigfoot were living. And he was a mountain man, fisherman, hunter, local guy. And he kept telling me these stories over and over again in my store until they, you know, they get bigger and bigger. Like there's whole family groups. And then pretty soon one, one story was there was a wildfire and there was a whole herd of Sasquatch that came running down the hill like the whole mountainside was was shaking like a herd of buffalo or something. And he said, you know, the, this was all Sasquatch fleeing the wildfire that was burning through the trees. Um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> but, you know, like, um, despite that, when I go to the site, I usually see tracks that look like they're um, bear tracks. And I suspect bears are responsible for a huge number of these Things. And, you know, the owls and the bears could be in the same night. And so you get reports of these things. That, that you have to get so so critical and skeptical because, you know, they're being made on Facebook in the same way. And they're being made on uh, blogs. And everybody wants to get on TV or be special and be famous. So there's even more incentive now to just, if not outright lie or hoax, to fool yourself, you know, to become a, what I call a self-hoaxer, which I used to think Johnson was a self-hoaxer. 
Um, now I, I think we pretty much caught him in outright lies, um, meaning he is a hoaxer. Uh, like that whole summer before we went to Soha, for instance, you know, um, he was claiming increased activity, and any day now they were going to be sitting in his lap and he's going to be taking a DNA swab from the juvenile, you know. Um, but then suddenly when we went there and did no harm, we did nothing, you know. We didn't disrupt or hoax or, or didn't try they to do anything. You? To... Wasn't about your personality. They did not. The Bigfoot did not like you, so they moved before you came. But, a very well, personal you know, thing. Think, yeah, well, I, the point is that um, I guess, like, maybe Bigfoot has psychic powers and knew this was coming, but Johnson was saying the very opposite thing all summer long. And then suddenly right. in January, he's saying, I'm moving to a new area. Our trolls, and they hijacked my area. We didn't do anything. We didn't throw beer cans in your portal, you know? <laughs> I mean, come on. Like, it's public lands, and all we did was go there and look and say, well, we don't see anything special. And, you know, we had a team uh, together that was planning a peer review, and uh, we started getting death threats, and um, people backed out, you know, certain people from Washington and, and Oregon, <laughs> that I don't want to have anything to do with this. I have to think of my family. I'm not going to get shot, you know. People are uh, shooting at your store. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that happened yeah. earlier. That was... Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was during a time when the Bigfoot community group had their camp out here, and they were threatening. Uh, I got clues. People sent me information from secret group that they have, you know, that, like, Tom Cantrell was calling me, uh, uh, comparing me to Hitler. And, like, you can't appease Hitler. You know, and, uh, you know, Arla Williams was <laughs> yeah. supposed to come marching into my store with her, band, her like, cult-like following behind her. Wow. You know, just, like, you know to confront me, um, and then the, the building got shot. So, um, you know, I'm not going to go outright blame these people for doing it, but it seems highly coincidental. And also, I think it, the kind of talk that they were spewing and uh, that Johnson also spewed after we found SOA encourages uh-huh. these people that are members of their groups to uh, to start thinking along those lines, you know, there were death threats uh, made against us, uh, threats of violence, and they they said we should be publicly castrated. You know, and Johnson wow. Johnson clicked like on that, and we have screen captures of that of him clicking like on that time, wow. um, which is totally That's against so the rules crazy. of his group, by the way. You know, but like when a leader like that, like Arla or or Tom Cantrell or or or, or Matthew Johnson starts encouraging this kind of behavior, you never know because they have thousands of people in their group. Right. And there are thousands of others on Facebook who don't have to join their groups to read them because a lot of them are open groups. And so, you know, Kelly Shaw goes out there and lies about us, what we did. So uh, calls us hoaxers. Say He says we rip off money from donors from the Bluff Creek Project. I mean, we don't do those things. He's lying because he knows... If you throw enough mud on the wall, some of it's going to stick. And he wants people to boycott my bookstore. You know, uh, he wants people to, to not give money to a valid, objective research project, which, you know, I don't get any of that money. I don't steal money from the donations. Jamie handles all of that. 
and it's all accounted for. And he has published our budget on the blog. So if you've ever heard any of these things, they're lies. And they're coming from people like Kelly Shaw because they're angry we have debunked their uh, so-called evidence and research tactics in the past. You know, and they, it's like their job. They go on a daily basis now with fake identities trying to harass me and spread lies, whether it's on Facebook, Twitter, you know, uh, YouTube, uh, now on Craigslist, local Humboldt, and the, the wow. Humboldt page on uh, uh, the Humboldt page on Reddit. They're, uh, they're out there doing the exact same things. Using fake identities, of course, um, um, to to lie about us. You know, I mean, it's 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 technically and, and really legally libel, uh, but um, you know, they can all uh, f off as far as I'm concerned. Like you know, Bluff Creek Project all right. doesn't make any extraordinary well, claims yeah. at all. You know, we do nothing more than put up cameras and observe. And well, he said, you, if you want to put donations into the project, you can, and you can feel a part of this. And, you know, if you get involved, we'll take you to the film site. We'll show you where the cameras are. You can donate one of your old trail cameras that you got for Christmas in 1999 or whatever, <laughs> and we'll put it up in the right. field. And then you can be proud of the photos that you helped obtain for the interest of objective study of wildlife, you know. Mm-hmm. Um well, like I Michael have to say, you did, say yeah. you did make a like wild claim that you got a mark. Oh, yeah, wait, I mean, that, he likes was to say that was an actual picture of it. Yeah. <laughs> you had a picture yeah, of it. it he likes like to say these wow. things like that, that, that we're claiming that we proved that an extinct animal is not extinct. We never did that. Like the one time right. that Jamie used the word extinct, it was like a joke, you know, to, to say, uh, you know, it was once thought of as extinct. I mean, on that the very blog, we have pictures, you know, and links to all the pages that support the history of this thing and how it was proven to be uh, alive and still living before we started our project, you know. Um, but, so it, but it was cool. It, it was a cool, I mean, it was a cool accidental find that, mm-hmm. that the Bluff Creek Project caught a picture of an animal that was, you know, not thought to be in that particular area anymore. And yeah. it's kind of like like Julie Julie's hair find, and and because she used proper procedure and had it the hair analyzed, it came back to to say no, it's a bobcat, and that was cool because they were saying that bobcats weren't in the area. But yeah, the, that's awesome. The, you find real yeah. knowledge by looking, by objectively yeah. looking. You know, like I was going to say, Michael Merchant says. We're out to prove that Bigfoot doesn't exist. And that's ridiculous for a guy who says he has a, a college education in science and a biology and can't really prove a negative. You know, our hypothesis that we're testing is, does Bigfoot exist? And our our attitude is, well, we don't know. Let's find out, <laughs> you know. And, you know, along the line, it was the same thing with the film site, you know. All these dozen people, whatever, claiming this, that, and the other, um, we just said, oh, I don't know where it is. I think probably we could trust Renee Vanden in Daniel Perez's booklet, but we can't just assume that either. So, you know, we look into these things and try to be objective. And 
and, and come to the conclusions that have evidence behind them. And along the way, we learned everything about that area, the whole history of it, the big 1964 flood, the geology and the soil composition and the botany and the zoology, hydrology, what the history of the logging was and the road building in the area. Right. We interviewed dozens and dozens of, of old-timer locals, some of whom are dead now, you know, and we found out the truth. I mean, some of it was, was what we kind of wanted to hear, like maybe Bigfoot's real, but a lot of it was also, you know, like, well, maybe it's not real. Like uh, the guy who told me he saw them with the wooden feet that they used to make the fake tracks, you know. Um, we had to take all of this with a grain of salt, of course, um, and and not be biased, you know. So we learned valuable things. Like I can show you what a tree is, you know, that I might not have known before. Um, I can tell you that there are ringtail cats and martens and fishers, which are all considered rare creatures around here. They're living up there in good numbers. And we've watched uh, mountain lion families from their kittens up till they left and became their own uh, independent territorial uh, individual, you know, with the mother having her two uh, kittens, you know, whatever, all the way till we can identify, like, well, this one has a new territory. We've got them on cameras over there at the lake, you know, and that's cool. That's a success story. Mm. We don't mind if we didn't prove Bigfoot exists yet, you know. We'll probably have to write a a paper which suggests that the null hypothesis is uh, what's seemingly evident. But even then, we can't just come out and say, well, we did it for five years and Bigfoot obviously doesn't exist. I mean, you can't really, that's not how science works, right? Like, well, we can say, well, we didn't find any evidence of it. But uh, the, the claims persist, the sightings persist, and the possibility is still there, uh, Perhaps a little diminished, you know, um, but but maybe Bigfoot has just moved out of Bluff Creek because there's too many Bigfooters up there looking, you know, or maybe exactly. it's got better habitat somewhere else. And just north of there, there's countless acres of wilderness, like declared official wilderness. Um, all around Bluff Creek is national forests and wilderness areas. So if I were a Bigfoot, I would probably be up in the Blue Creek watershed or throughout the the Siskiyou Klamath Mountains, the Marble Mountains, Trinity Alps. There's so much good habitat out there, and it's incredibly hard to access. And uh, if you're a smart creature, you could evade humans pretty damn easily. Uh, So I think Bigfoot is possible. That's my attitude. Um, I don't mind that we didn't prove it. Uh, My my sense of self-worth is not invested uh-huh. in getting more hits on YouTube and being <laughs> being known as the, the guy who who found right. uh, a 24-inch Bigfoot track somewhere, you know? I don't care. Right. You you found a 24-inch Bigfoot track? No. <laughs> you, no. Hear, you, you heard it here first on Monster Tree. No, I'm there, just there is some guy but, like uh, <laughs> Jim Whitehead or whatever his name is who's finding... 24 inch and 36 yeah. inch tracks, and I mean, I don't know. It's, the world's a weird that place. Seems, like, yeah. right. There is a lot of uh, unknown in the universe. Like, 
science is the first to admit that because this, I'm not a scientist. I'm a, a lay person in this regard, but I am more in the philosophy and critical thinking area um, that and language, you know, that's my background, but I'm willing to um, consider the, 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 the way science works and the method of science is skepticism, you know, to come up with a plausible evidence-based hypothesis and then go and investigate it, find a way to test it and see if you can prove it wrong. You know, that's what mm. science is doing. It's critical. It's it's not out to prove something like that it believes. I mean, secretly in the back of their minds, sure. Like every scientist wants to believe what they are finding is true and then prove it and get some recognition for it because everyone wants to do well in their field, right? But, you know, going out there with your mind all confused and seeing Bigfoot everywhere is counterproductive. Um, mm-hmm. Getting mad yeah. at critical thinking groups and trolling them for two straight years is counterproductive. <laughs> I'm, you know, being yeah, mad, I'm, I'm angry, yelling yeah, I'm, at people because I'm they don't buy into your leave. <laughs> You're the one doing it? <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> I'm, well, I'm not Jack Frost. Yeah. <laughs> It's bizarre because um, soon after I started Monster X, I was contacted by a guy that that knew where the Bigfoots were, and, and it was like he was vetting me to let, see if I was worthy of being taken to meet his Bigfoot family, you know, and like, I, and I was very polite to the guy initially, and then he became kind of a psychopath, <laughs> and, and I used the block feature of of Facebook, and uh, and I haven't missed him in my life since. But uh, yeah, it's interesting. It's people. I mean, if uh, it's inter- and, and Shane and I had an in, uh, experience with another gentleman who was slight. To me, was slightly psychopathic. And I mean, by slightly, I'm being kind. He was complete psychopath. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, but it's interesting is that there are people out there that. That, like you say, they're in, they're, their their self worth is tied up into the the uh, conclusion that that Bigfoot is real and that what they everything that they find is evidence of Bigfoot and, and that they don't need to they have no obligation to uh, prove what they the claims that they make to anybody else and and those people I tend to ignore. It's like that's not that's not that's not my perspective or where I'm coming from in 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 this mystery. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's fascinating to be able to go out and and collect and find some weird stuff. You know, I've I've heard weird stuff, found weird shape impressions in the ground. You know, have had what I think a rock was thrown at at me, but I you will never hear me say that Bigfoot did any of those things because. I did not see Bigfoot do those things. Um, I, that's uh, real Bigfoot research is is kind of boring. It takes a lot of time and doesn't yield a lot of of re, uh, results that you can take uh, and and show people that see I I had a Bigfoot experience and I think uh, some people get impatient with that process 
are either just lazy or or have no intention, have no interest in in actually having to prove what what they say. They just want to say, "I well, believe me because I said like, it." So it's like God exists, right? You can't prove God exists, but just claim right. that God exists. You have faith in that, and that, that's a whole right. other thing. And you know. A lot of people who are religious will get angry if you challenge their conception of reality or God. Or, but I mean, really, honestly, uh, uh, um, all that science can say is we don't see any evidence for that. I mean, uh, maybe it's true. I don't know. <laughs> maybe we're just tiny little. Uh, microbial entities on some petri dish, you know, and that's our whole universe. I don't know. But, like, it, it's counterproductive for me to try to understand reality using faith. You know, uh, faith and belief are, are for people in their private lives or among their spiritual communities where they should seek comfort and uh, meaning in their lives to hopefully have a better life and be better people. Like, it doesn't have that much application to things like science, you know. Uh, arguing from the basis of religion that evolution isn't real uh, is absurd, you know. All the evidence shows that evolution is real, so why contradict it? And, you know, scientists, on the other hand, you know, we can't... Uh, you could say this to the Bigfoot skeptics, too, the real hardcore ones who are really not skeptical inquiry uh, people. They're deniers. You know, um, to those people, you could say, well, you don't know, uh, and just be casual about it. Don't You don't need to defend yourself like your life has just been threatened. Like, so what if these people don't believe that God or, or, or Sasquatch exists? You know, we live, hopefully, in a, a, a free democratic uh, republic, whatever, where the people should be able to have their own opinions about things and practice their uh, free speech on Facebook groups without being harassed and called a troll every day um, and having people lie about you and stuff. Or, you know, worse. <laughs> um, right. Well, that's... Uh, like, and that's... Like, that, here's what I wanted to say to when people. When somebody doesn't have an like, argument for somebody, you know, they don't have an actual valid argument, it's you're a troll. I mean, that's one of the, the right. functions of Facebook. People do that crap because... They don't have a valid argument, so so their defense, their the way to to win the argument is to call you a troll. Right. Yeah. Well, like trolling is a very specific thing. You know, right. like in uh, old internet groups and forums, a troll was somebody who came in there just to cause disruption and chaos, and would mm-hmm. harass and maybe stalk somebody. Um, and just mess with people because they get pleasure out of that, you know. But that's that's not what we're doing in the coalition group. We're not trolling anybody, you know. Uh, you're in your own group. You're in your group. We have a private so discussion. <laughs> right. But you may people, disagree they with the content that of we're, what, what are they imagine like 3,100 3, members. You know? I mean, there's 3,100 members or something in the coalition, I believe. Uh, like that, you know, I can't imagine that all 3,100 people are uh, agree on everything 100% of the time. So there's no, they don't. There's 
lively discussion sometimes within the group. Yeah, we try to have that. Uh, we want to be confrontational, yeah. like, and debating, you know, because if there's no sense in just sitting around and saying, we're going to ban all the people who propose something different, then there'll be nothing to talk about, you know. But we do require uh, logical approaches. And if somebody makes an irrational statement, we'll challenge them on that. Uh, and, and unfortunately, there's a lot of people who, uh, because of their <laughs> belief systems, they're unable to understand the concepts of logic and proper thinking. Um, and we, you know, that's really our, our mission is to try, I know it's a lost cause, but try to teach how to think <laughs> to people. And, you know, I'm not saying this because I think I'm smarter than anybody. I'm saying this because I think it's the right way to live, to think and look at reality and live in the real world. Because, you know, there's real-life problems arguing about whether Bigfoot can cloak and look at the fact that, like, gorillas, orangutans, and other primates are going extinct in the wild, you know, or are right. close to it. These are things that matter. I mean, these people will deny the success of Bluff Creek Project finding that Martin up there on multiple photographs, multiple areas, just because they're angry at us over the Bigfoot controversies. When this animal has only 100 estimated individuals left in the wild. I mean, this is a threatened, endangered subspecies, and they're out there trying to discredit this, not on the basis of science, but on the basis of personal jealousy. <laughs> you know, meanwhile, this animal could go extinct because of neglect, because the uh, Fish and Wildlife Service made a political decision not to list it on the endangered species list because they don't want to manage martins as diverse, I think there's like 12 subspecies of marten in America. Uh, these are regional subspecies that are distinct and have to do with like glacial separation of these populations. So genetically they're different, you know. Um, mm -hmm. There's no sense in denying it uh, over Bigfoot, you know. Uh, we should all be happy when anyone succeeds in finding real knowledge and that's what I'm always hoping, you know. Um, like the Olympic project does it, great work, the, the and, and you know Derek Bluff Creek, put up a you guys just great you guys did not have any intention of proving that the Martin was exists. I mean, it was an offshoot; it was an accidental uh, benefit of of you guys doing Bigfoot research. Yes. Uh -huh. So I mean, it, yeah. So that 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 in itself makes um, the Bluff Creek project to me a valuable contribution to science well you know also um, um, I'm not making this claim it was made by uh, objective outside groups that we presented the photos to and who know right. about regional separation of the subspecies and I'm not trying to prove that I can beat Kelly Shaw up or that I could win <laughs> an arm wrestling match with Michael Merchant you know, uh, I don't care. My ego is not in that. You know, I'm invested in the truth. You know, they're they're trying to defend something based on their personalities, and I don't give a damn about that. You know, I mean, I, the truth is that the Martin is there. So we've adapted our study. We've adapted our camera placement to find more photos of them. We're trying to get the better video and more knowledge about this animal, you know, 
We're still looking for Bigfoot. Like, it's okay. there. But this isn't me. This isn't my ego saying this, you know. I'm just part of this. You know, Jamie and Rowdy and Robert Leiterman, these are guys doing this work, you know. And, like, Ian Carton, the one that I started the group with, way back in 2009, uh, we've always just been interested in the truth, you know. Um, a lot of people hate us because we showed that Peter Byrne was wrong, N.K. Davis was wrong, uh, Christopher Murphy was wrong, Daniel Perez was even wrong, couldn't find it, even though it was in his book. The film site was marked in his book. <laughs> um, but we found it, and there's still people who deny that we found the film site location, even though we have mathematical proofs on, our, on my blog that show that this is the place, and you can't deny it. It's within inches. The margin of error is like 3%. And this is done by comparing rough aerial photograph from the hillside with our survey map. You know, So there's, a, there's going to be a small margin of error. But it's, that's the film site. And you can see every, every frame of the way through where the camera was and um, where the subject of the film was. So, you know, we've put this in the hands of people like Bill Munns who have more technical abilities. And, you know, we're going to get a site surveyor up here soon. Hopefully we'll get more precise measurements and find out perhaps once and for all what lens was used on that camera and how tall and how wide and how massive that creature or man in a suit was, you know. <laughs> but, I mean, even to this day, people get mad because, like, I won't say the film is a hoax or they'll get mad that I won't say it's real. You know, well, you know, we're we're trying to find out, <laughs> you know, and the basis for that is not being a puffed up ego and bragging and, and getting mad at people on Facebook. It's facts and evidence, and that's what we want. All of us want that, I think. <laughs> well, all of us on on this broadcast <laughs> would like that. I'm, I'm I'm pretty sure that not everybody on Facebook is interested in um, any of those things. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we should divide I think, Stephen, Stephen, I think some of the problem, though, with why you have haters is they're, they're jealous of the fact that you guys are doing this um, Bluff Creek project and it's scientific and you've you know, had the the Martin pictures, and I mean, didn't somebody take a picture of uh, already photographed Martin and said, "Here, I took this picture of one before them," and lo and behold, it was a picture copyright off the internet. Oh yeah, that was Kelly Shaw. He wanted to disparage Bluff Creek Project, so he said it was just a common Martin at Pine Martin, and he claimed that he gotten photographs of it all over the place, including when he came out here and did his little vacation along the highway in the Redwoods and along the Bigfoot Scenic Byway. He he put up photos that he said he had taken of this Martin. But, but they weren't. And it, you it went, turned out that you the, went and found those the photo... They were, we just, go ahead. We busted him, completely busted him in a hoax. He, it is outright... Uh, lying and wherever else he posted this stuff, I can't remember now, but um, it was posted on our Facebook page, on the Buff Creek Project page. He came in there and claimed, this is a photo of a Humboldt Martin that I took when I was in Humboldt County, and we dropped it into 
Google Images, and it popped up a within a day. We busted him as a hoaxer. Uh, it popped up an image taken by a professional photographer, and other people who know things like Richard Allen is an enthusiast for um, mm-hmm. the the Weasel family, the Muscle Kids. How you pronounce that? Um, you know, um, he has ferrets, and he said that's a weasel. That's a common weasel. And you know, uh, Randy Filipovic busted him on his blog, and it's all came out of the uh, coalition. This is what we do. And um, you know, uh, if Kelly Shaw wants to produce real good evidence, we'll praise him for it. But so far, he hasn't. And and hoaxing photographs to to try to harm another Bigfoot research project is just plain evil. You know, uh, that's a lie. We caught him in a lie. And his response to it was to troll me and my group for, for two years. <laughs> you know, trying to get people not to come to my bookstore. And it's hard not to sell books in this world as it is today. But also to try to, like, get people to stop from sending money or a camera for an objective wildlife survey. It's lame. Uh, you know, uh, we're not begging for money. We could pay for this ourselves. But the idea is that science, ideally, you know, and in fact, is science is, is funded by public funds. You know, all scientists are worried about getting grants. And, and independent researches, research projects are often funded by private donations. And that's all we're doing. We're trying to have like an example I, for people, yeah. you know. <laughs> Yeah. We are going to set up this project as a crowdfunded, publicly open and transparent research project that's trying to show reality. And we're not going to bias it to get YouTube hits. You know, these blob squatches can get 3,000, 3 million hits that we get on Coast to Coast AM or something with it. That's what Bigfoot Evidence Blog and all these others are trying to do is just have some viral crap that gets like a million hits. Uh, and then you can some put people, like five ads in your, in your YouTube yeah. video. All right. right. The hits are a motivation to get those hits on that YouTube. Is, yeah, and for some people that is, yeah. That some for some people that is a motivation is that they are putting what putting whatever out there that will will garner attention on a particular social media to to get advertising dollars or whatever. I mean, I I was recently uh, a participant in the Operation Sea Monkey, and I still say that was unfortunately named, but but uh, and we <laughs> we actually raised money to to go and, and do a particular project and you know, there was there were people that were had stuff to say about that and I don't, I don't honestly I didn't really care. Um, if I if you don't uh, if you don't believe in in what uh, a an organization is doing, if it's the same with the Bluff Creek Project or the Olympic Project or or the Tillamook Forest Group or the Operation Seamuck, if you don't believe, don't give your money and shut up about it. I mean, if there's not you know um, if there is a uh, real reason to be concerned about where the money's going, then then uh, it will come to light at some point. But but you guys are really, you guys have a camera project. I've seen it. I mean, I, I know that you, I went with you where you guys actually go down and collect the cards and change out the cards for the cameras. I mean, it's, it's, there's real work to what you're doing. It isn't 
sitting in an armchair, you know, on Facebook, there's real boots on the ground kind of work. And sure. And um, even then, we're not we're not trying to be macho about it. And, you know, no, brag about how how cool we look wearing camouflage, or that you know we can hunt right. better than any of these other guys. You know, I mean, I don't care about that. You know, my personal investment is in my ideas, and I'm going to think about these things, and I'm going to say what I think. And that is what pisses people off, is that I don't kiss their beat butts, you know, and, and try to be nice and sweet and kumbaya about it. You know, uh, like, um, even then, you know, I might attack something like the Sierra sounds. I think that they're um, not real. Um but, you know, that doesn't mean I'm, go- I'm saying Ron Moorhead is a hoaxer or he's a bad guy or anything. I'm saying... He's a really nice please- guy. I know that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I've met him and, yeah. and I've seen his presentations. And, but I, I still have to remain critical about his recordings. I don't know if maybe he was tricked in the field. I don't know these things. And it, 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 in any case, you know, if, if these things can't stand up to the scrutiny of a group on Facebook like the Coalition Group, then they're certainly not going to pass the muster of real science. You know, real scientists are going to tear that stuff apart. Uh, uh, That's what scientists do to each other. I mean, not personally so often, but they'll tear each other's stuff to shreds if they can. Because that's, you know, what you can't tear apart and and destroy with analysis is what's real. (laughs) You know, that's how you find scientific truth. That's how you find truth. In other areas, like in terms of logic or thinking, um, uh, a poorly thought through, a poorly expressed idea cannot hold water. You know, just like any other craft in life, if you're building like a, a pot using, you know, pottery, you don't want it to fall apart or have holes in it. And it's the same basic idea. If you want to construct a logical argument, it has to be sound. It has to have all the parts there. It can't violate the laws of language and um, logic. It has to be um, put together with with knowledge and learning and things that have gone before. You know, uh, proposing things that are magical. I mean, it's, good, it's not going to get you anywhere. You know, even yeah, if I mean, you want I mean, to prove it's... magic stuff, Go ahead. Yeah. Or even if you want to prove magic stuff. You've got to find a way to actually uh, um, do that. Document you can't just like yeah. read read like a quantum physics book and say, "Well, Bigfoot's obviously using quantum physics." You know, I mean, no. What you need is a, is an understanding of how quantum functions on this particle level of reality, and then you need to find out how could it apply on our level of experience where we are living. Um, because I mean, there's a whole vast realm of of reality that we can't see or even conceive of, you know, separate from um, these instruments that we use to measure these particles. So we should um, try to learn as best we can from real science and not go off the deep end saying, well, this proves every paranormal idea in the book. You know, I'll just say quantum physics like Deepak Chopra does, you know, uh, or well, like Ron Moorhead does, you know. Um, I... I'm not close-minded about quantum physics. I want to know what the real quantum physics is. You know, I I don't want an escape hatch to to get out of reality. I want to find out where reality is. Right. So, right? Stephen, if if you were to to 
express an opinion about if Bigfoot is real, what uh, you do you believe it to be a uh, flesh and blood uh, biological entity? Yeah. Um, well, it would have to be because <laughs> everything on Earth is a part of evolution. Um, it has so all of life is one expression of life here on Earth. I mean, it's all related. And so Bigfoot, if it's real, would fit somewhere on the evolutionary tree. Uh, I, I think all the evidence points towards it being some kind of a, um, well, primate, right? So, okay, let's right. get rid of these ideas like um, the specialness of humans, for one. Like we are an exceptional species created by a divine entity or whatever. Just look at it as it is. We are very, very close to chimpanzees in the family tree of, of these animals. And um, some people even consider us uh, the third chimpanzee. Well, uh, you know, chimps are closer to us than they are to gorillas. So we're apes. We're, we're an ape, uh, human, almost sapiens. And there are various forms of the homo lineage that we have discovered, including like, you know, the Denisovans recently and the Homo floresiensis that mm-hmm. um, that are very close Hobbit. to us that lived within recent times. Yeah, right. and um, we made it with Neanderthals and stuff. You know, they Neanderthals were a form of human just like us. We, they would have looked different a little, but you know, uh, you know. So Bigfoot, I mean, considering its bipedal foot structure and all these things that Meldrum talks about. Uh, it's 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 harder to conceive of it as uh, some distant ape that had parallel evolution. Uh, it's a lot easier to consider it as closer to the Homo sapiens line than, than anything else. But um, I wouldn't go so far as uh, David Politis or M.K. Davis who say it's human and you know it's a modern like uh, form of uh, human a Native American tribe living in the wild you know, with with culture and technology and fire and shelters and all these things that somehow we've never been able to find, you know. I mean, obviously it's an ape. It lives like an ape. We are apes. The question is more, if it's real, how close are we to it? And uh, considering what we know about our own evolutionary line, I'd say it has to have come from before like Heidelbergensis, you know, it would have to be like a, a robust form of erectus or something, uh, an earlier form of, you know, these other relatives that we have that, that somehow didn't evolve in the same direction and somehow survived without leaving a, a noticeable fossil record. Uh, that's a big problem, you know. And the closest thing that we have in the fossil record is Gigantopithecus, uh, we don't even know much about that, really, except that it ate bamboo and fruit and stuff. Uh, maybe right. it was related to the orangutan, but we don't even really have concrete proof of that. It could have been closer to us, for all we know, or looked more like Bigfoot. Or there could have been any number of relatives of these gigantotype creatures that we just haven't found. I mean, this this species lived for many uh, thousands of years, uh, we only have teeth and a few fragments of jawbones to prove that. So how right. how likely is it that 
that there have been other forms that have slipped through and haven't been found in the fossil record yet. Um, this is an area where I think agnosticism is called for because mm-hmm. we don't have definitive proof either way. And it's silly to have these arguments like people do. Bigfoot's a person. It's a forest person. It, you know, we can't even prove they exist. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. And, and then, it's like it's right. we're talking about a unicorn and, and what kind of, you know, what is it? I mean, it's in, in, in uh, exaggerated terms, it's like, yeah, what is what is uh, Bigfoot? Well, we first we got to prove is Bigfoot. Stephen, we we're running up against the clock. We two hours went flew by. Um, I would I really love to have you back on the show because you uh, absolutely. I I really enjoy your uh, uh, pragmatic approach to the subject, and um, and I've met you in person. Uh, it's always funny to me to meet people, you know, that you, you know on the internet versus meeting them in person because there, there's usually they're more, you know, I like the human element, and uh, I, I personally think that you're a cool dude and uh, appreciate what you guys are doing with the, the Bluff Creek project and um, hang in there and and bringing sanity to the insane uh, world of Bigfoot. So I wanna, I do wanna thank my my co-host Shane Corley, who was relatively quiet tonight, and my other good friend Julie Wrench for joining us tonight, and Stephen Stroyford of Bigfoot Books. Go buy books at, at Stephen's bookstore. Damn it, um, he has 150 Bigfoot books, and uh, I'm going to go buy one this week, at least one. I know that I'll find one yeah. I don't have. So, thanks everybody. Yes, Stephen. Contact me on the internet if you want, because they're not all listed uh, for sale on book selling sites. But so, I appreciate you having me on, and uh, you know it'd be great yeah, to come good. back. But like yeah, maybe with it. my research partners. Uh, I know yeah, that awesome. I always get all this attention because I'm this dude sitting right in Mecca, you know. But the, <laughs> the real work is is being done. I'm like more out like the guy who's talking all the time. Or you know the historian <laughs> of the thing, but like right. you know, you should see Robert Leiterman going up and down hills with these uh, cameras and stuff. Uh, oh, yeah, those like guys yeah, that's a credit. And Jamie, of course, the the current camera project is, is his thing more than anybody's. And Rowdy, of course, is a great outdoorsman. We all have our a thing that we do, including Ian Carton. Um, my sort of more historical partner who started this thing, even though he, he now lives in uh, West Virginia or Virginia, one of those two, uh, he's still involved, but just too far away to really be uh, part of it. Uh, we'd be happy to be on like that if it's possible. No, it'd be great. All right. So thanks, everybody, for listening to Monster X Radio. We will be back next Sunday, 4 p.m. Pacific. With- 7 p.m. Thomas Eastern. Eastern. Come on. Julie. Thomas Steenberg. Uh, secret <laughs> love, Thomas Steenberg, and my buddy from the <laughs> Operation Sea Monkey, Thomas Steenberg, will be with us next weekend. Thanks, everybody, for listening. This is Monster X Radio. We're out. Have a great week. Mm-hmm.